We watch a movie, maybe read a book, or look at some kind of art. And we talk about it together and say lots of interesting things, and one of those things is our favorite parts. This is Favorite Parts with Allison and Trey. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our first episode of Favorite Parts. Today, we're going to be talking about the movie Nightmare Alley, and Trey's going to start by giving us a three-sentence summary. Trey? Thanks, Allison. I'm so excited that we're finally doing this. It's been a long time coming. I mean, this actually hasn't been a long time coming because we've only talked about this a handful of weeks ago. We did it pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, but look at us getting it done, like like not overthinking it and just getting it done. Um, just do it. Don't think about it. Just, just do, do it. it. That's right. <laughs> uh, so Nightmare Alley, for people who haven't seen the movie yet, is directed by Guillermo del Toro, who did Shape of Water and a bunch of other movies you might know. But it takes place in the 1940s in, I think, Buffalo, New York area, following uh, Bradley Cooper's main character, Stanton, who uh, is kind of like part Carney culture, part con man, and how he, Rooney Mara, Tony Collette, and Willem Dafoe all kind of orbit around this very specific culture around... uh, scams cons and carnage culture so uh we'll be talking about that today love it thanks trey all right so we're just gonna start by asking one another did you like the movie trey yeah did you like it oh allison this is such a setup because we <laughs> both know how deeply we both feel about this movie but uh, <laughs> we do I, I loved it i really loved it Loved I it. We, using yeah, the, I, the L word here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have big feelings and I believe in leaning into those big feelings. So I am going to say that I loved it. And you know, uh, other people don't know, but you know, I did not love it necessarily. The first, I liked it the first time, but then mm-hmm. it grew into the love. It was a slow love. Wow. Second, second viewing that we yeah. did together. Love at second sight. Yes, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Two day fiance. That's what I'm calling this. Two. <laughs> Five hour fiance. Um, yeah. How about you? What? Yeah, I want you to tell me more about why you liked it. Oh, I mean, I, you're right. I mean, I liked it for so many reasons. I think the main cast is really good. Um, I'm not a huge Bradley Cooper fan, but I think Bradley Cooper, mm-hmm. he's really good at bringing like that. Like, I know you are so thirsty. Philly so represent. <laughs> he's from Jenkintown. Come on, homeboy. I know you always you always hide behind a Jenkintown thing, but I think he was thirsty for him. That's <laughs> This is okay, a safe space. You... <laughs> <laughs> he can do a great Philly accent. Listeners. He can do a great Philly accent. That's all I'm saying. Okay, continue, Trey. You don't like Bradley Cooper generally, but generally, but but I think what he is really good at that works in this film is like he has that like he's he's always great at that like high intensity white guy who is like disconnected from reality, but is <laughs> convinced to make you feel his reality. Like I feel mm. like that was. Him and Silver Linings. I think that's Silver him in Linings, this. Yeah. Um, I think it's him and something else that we that we'll talk about at some point too. Um, yeah, Licorice Pizza. Look out. Coming yeah, in next week. <laughs> so yeah, so I really I really liked his performance. I am a huge huge Kate Blanchett fan, and I think she's really good. And and I just like I really like the kind of like fable like quality of Nightmare Alley, which is mm. right in right in line with a lot of what Del Toro does. But it all worked for me. The aesthetics, the acting, the context, all of it. Okay. Well, (laughs) that makes one of us. (laughs) I did not like this movie. I did not hate the movie, but Mm -hmm. I did not like it. 
it felt like you said, I mean, I think for some of the reasons that you said were the reasons I did not like it. Like it felt to me like an extended allegory. None of the characters felt like real people. I had a hard time believing a lot of like pivotal character parts. Like it felt kind of like a sketch to me more than really thought out characters. I didn't believe that Molly and Stan liked each other, let alone were in love with each other. We're going to run away together from the carnival. Yeah. Um, and there were just weird things in there. Like Molly was always eating chocolate, which <laughs> I couldn't understand. Why. Well, as a person who is also often always eating chocolate, <laughs> I don't feel like it's a defining characteristic, but I kept trying to be like, what does this signify about like, what was this supposed to mean about her character? Maybe that she was like, childish immature i don't know there's just like a scene where she's eating chocolate at several points during the movie and bradley cooper's character lists it as one of the things he knows about her before he proposes to her (laughs) anyway although i would say if someone proposed to me i would want them to know that i like chocolate so maybe it's realer than maybe it's realer (laughs) than i thought um i did think that there was uh, some of the parts of the movie are very cool. The cinematography uh-huh. is very well yeah. done. The costuming is very cool. Like 19, you know, the 1940s in general were a very interesting visual time period. So the architecture is cool. They have this um, like cool minty hotel room that they stay in, yeah. which is very pleasing to look at. There's like a very cool ashtray in Dr. Lilith's office that I enjoyed. Yeah. Um, so a lot of the aesthetics and uh, I don't know if you noticed this, Trey, but at the end of the movie, when the credits roll, there are four, there's like four columns, a four column list of people who worked as visual artists. <laughs> and uh-huh. I felt that that just sort of represented the amount of like time and energy and resources that were concentrated into the visuals of the film. And it yeah. showed it's a visually very well done. I do not think like the, the, the characters and storyline. <laughs> had as many resources dedicated to them in my personal opinion so the movie so the movie itself (laughs) (laughs) little little lacking um yeah i guess i just i also think that uh sort of the message of the film was quite bleak in my opinion um you know, I, you have, you've talked about this when we've talked about this movie in the past, but just there is sort of this, I think it's very much a movie that's kind of about original sin and about yeah. like people being unable to escape their fates in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I guess I, I did like that there, there was this sort of like thought about messaging and it did, it felt like there were things for me to notice in the film, like the fact that the film it starts with Bradley Cooper, um, like we later find out burying his father and burning the house alive. Yeah. And then quickly transitioning into this carnival life where one of the main parts of it is the geek. Yeah. Which Trey, I'm gonna let you explain what that is. But a facet of the geek is that it's like a person who for show bites off the heads of chickens. And at the end of the film, when he's just like fallen from grace, Bradley Cooper ends up literally in a train filled with chickens Yeah, on his way to becoming a geek. And so there was some like nice symmetry and symbolism and stuff like that, that I enjoyed as a former English major. I always enjoy <laughs> those kinds of things, but it just, 
yeah, it didn't feel, I wasn't able to really like sink my teeth into any of the characters. And I will say this many times as we talk about the best picture nominees this year, it was very long. <laughs> yeah. I know you, it was that. I know how much you two and a half hours long. That's a long time. It's a long time. It was it a, long a long film. Time. You got a lot yeah. to say for somebody who doesn't like the film very much. Yeah, I know. Well, uh, just because I didn't like it doesn't mean I don't think it's interesting. I just no, you're right. And I was like, it's not not my cup of tea. But I could see why other people would like it. I'll give you that. How, how gracious! I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just because you don't agree with me doesn't mean <laughs> that you're a complete idiot. <laughs> yeah. Not a complete idiot. <laughs> Just mostly an idiot. <laughs> yeah, a geek make me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but Trey, do you want to talk about geeks a little bit? Because this is like your, uh, you want to talk about your, tell us more about the carnival lifestyle. I'm going to, I'm going to combine like my geek thoughts with uh, my favorite part. Your favorite part? Okay, Trey, yeah. what were your favorite parts of the film? No, I mean, so my favorite part is probably, it's probably less of a part and more of a, orientation around the film like I I love how much like the film makes use of the kind of like carnival funhouse probably mm-hmm. in a very like belabored direct way but I think it's great about how much del Toro uses the carnival setting to set up the idea of just like everything being a distorted mirror you know everything from mm-hmm. the geek to the funhouse to the people who inhabit the carnival themselves they're all kind of like freaks and geeks of everyday people or they're they're yeah. very much treated that way <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah shout out james franco <laughs> <laughs> you know i've actually never watched that show <laughs> oh really i watched it during the quarantine actually oh for the first yeah. time yeah i that might like incredible. check it out at some point yeah, yeah you might like I it yeah, maybe I <laughs> um, <That's>, but I, <laughs> that'll be episode 51 <laughs> <laughs> we make it that long yes yes we can do canceled it, by then yeah, <laughs> yeah. um Ooh. but i really liked i, I really I really liked it because, and also like this speaks to some of part of the funhouse part of this that I like so much is definitely speaks to the, like the comic book geek in me, so to speak. Is mm. that you know it, it's very reminiscent of uh, there's this old Batman story called the Killing Joke, and one of the big kind of set pieces in the story is the Joker takes uh, Commissioner Gordon to um, a carnival where he is forced to kind of like go through. He's like stripped down. And he, he ends up getting literally and figuratively stripped down in terms of his psyche and his appearance. Mm. And he has to confront a lot about what it's- Police brutality. What, <laughs> if only. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was just my guess. No, no, no. If only. Um, about what? Himself? No, he's got a- About himself and about like the cost of doing- his notion of right and wrong and justice and stuff. Oh. And so I, it was, some of it was very reminiscent Deep. of that for me too. Yeah, it's good. I mean, no, they'll knock all comic books. Okay. Like some of them are really got really got some shit to say. Sometimes. And so I, re- I really liked that about it, that it had that overlap for me. Um, okay. Then real quick about geeks. So like, if people don't know, geeks have been a, were a feature of uh, carnivals back when they had their start in, in particular, uh, crawling into like the late 20th or not, late late 20s into the 30s in the country and geeks were often people who were at the bottom rung of the carnival ladder and so they were the folks who you know once you got past like the strong man the guy who breathes fire the woman who like mm. takes knives and stuff Classic. they were very much relegated to the bottom of the barrel um very much people who were 
typically is someone who is like born with some type of physical <laughs> malformity or or as I saw researching, they wasn't infrequent that they were often black people or other folks of color. Mm. So they were mm. often treated as like people who were freakish acts of nature that had sprung to life and mm. were and were, yes, as a result, asked to do the most deplorable things to kind of reinforce how inhumane they were inside of the carnival setting. And so like one of the go-to acts that was common for the geek in the carnival is to bite the heads off of chickens rabbits other animals um i think rodents at times too mm. um yeah it's gross real, dark real. dark history i really smorgasbord <laughs> of things to bite the heads off. um did you think so it's interesting because in the movie the two geeks that we see i think there's only two are both white guys who don't appear who just appear to be like uh i mean there is the whole part of the movie where Willem, Willem Dafoe who plays the yeah. the head of the carnival explains like how he makes a geek which is sort of yeah. like you find someone hard on their luck you tell them you need them for one night you like you kind of stoke this addiction to in this case liquor I think it was yeah. and then like you basically it's basically like abusing them through their addiction and making yeah. them do these messed up things um, so did you think that was accurate or it sort of left out what seemed to be kind of a, another big part of the geek, which is that they were already kind of shunted to the edges of society for some other reason? Well, I mean, I thought it was, I think two things. I think it was, I think it was accurate. And I think it was one version of how a geek mm. can come to be. Okay. But I think more importantly, Del Toro picked that because it fit the arc of the story. Or you right, to tell. Right, so he, right, right. I think he picked a particular archetype of the geek to kind of do. Right. Wait, so what was your favorite part? Okay. I had just a couple of things I would like to know. So my favorite oh, part of the movie part, part <laughs> yeah. was the scene in the hotel ballroom where Stan is performing. He's like at the top of his fame. He's performing a mentalist act where he can basically, you know, a person stands up and he can tell them all these things. He can tell them what's inside their purse, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. And uh, Kate Blanchett's character, who's a psychologist, is there, Dr. Lilith. And she like interrupts everything because the, the way that that uh, show works is that Stan's partner, Molly, has questions that she asks him that cue him to tell him, you know, what the answers are. Yeah. Um and Dr. Lilith commandeers the whole thing and starts asking the questions. And I remember being like, the jig is up, <laughs> you know, like yeah. they are going to, she's going to see that it's all made up, but Bradley Cooper, you know, finds his way. He answers, he predicts exactly what's in her purse. Everyone's stunned, right? Like, and he's able to uphold the scam we can yeah. say. Um, but it is a moment of real tension in the show. And it also makes you think for a minute, you know, like, can he, <laughs> does he have superpowers? Like, yeah. can he actually <laughs> tell what's inside the purse? He later explains how he figured it out, but it still is pretty, in the moment you're sort of uh, taken aback by how well he does. So mm -hmm. I, I, that was just a, an interesting part of the film. I don't know. It was one of the scenes that I think drew me in. I like that scene too. A lot. Yeah. I think um, 
a couple other things I appreciated about the film was there is a scene with a lot of WPA posters in yeah, right. station, bus station, which was fun. I just love WPA posters. So I, I'm not sure if everyone's going to know what WPA refers to. Oh yeah. The work progress administration. It was a time in the 1940s when the government paid artists to create art. Um, and there were a lot of like, if you see old timey national parks uh, posters, a lot of those, that style was created by folks in the WPA. Um very cool, very hip. Yeah. Very socialist. Um, <laughs> the other thing I appreciate about the movie was there was like not a lot of class commentary, but there was a little bit in that there was a very, very rich man featured in the film who I think quite accurately was portrayed as just doing really messed up things yeah. to young women yeah. and then sort of like begging for forgiveness. Um and was very frustrated when he wasn't able to like absolve himself of all the terrible things he had done in the past. Yeah. Um, and he just, I mean, he says at one point, I have more money than I'll ever know what to do with. And I don't know, it just, a lot, a lot of people's decisions are driven by money and a desire for money and a desire for power, which I think is, you know, accurate, (laughs) (laughs) depressing, but accurate. Yeah. Yeah. Those were, those were the things that kind of stuck out to me. Like this guy really sucks, but he feels like every other, you know, old rich white guy that exists in the world today. Sure. Sure. (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) Way to go, Guillermo. (laughs) You nailed it. (laughs) Um, Anything else you want to share about this? No, I think that that was, those are my main takeaways. Oh, I have one. I'm just going to one, one hot take I'm going to leave you with. Okay. Stan today would just be a guy who Googled everybody extensively before. Oh, you keep him. saying that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause he just would just like figure stuff out about people. And I was like, man, he would really be stuck in a Google black hole for a long time. <laughs> like imagine matching with Stan on hinge. It would be, he'd know everything about you. But see, I don't, I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's true though. Like, I, I mean, I think he would Google folks, but like, I think not everyone has a lot of information you can glean from Google. That is true. I can tell like, you from experience. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> I also think like, I mean, I think, I think that was the great thing about this stuff is that, you know, true, like these people in actually, actually were just, they're that weird line between clever and brilliant. Right. Like I, yeah. I, often, I often think of like clever as being somewhat underhanded which is true, mm-hmm. but also clever has a lot of intelligence to it. And I think what they were so sure. good at doing is that they did, they were able to do quick reads on people that mm-hmm. even if they had Google information, there were still all these other tells that they could rely on about folks that were yeah. kind of like really in, ingenious kind of reads on people. And like, we saw that a couple of times in, in the movie, like he breaks down, the movie does a good job of kind of like debunking how, what, what, what looks like a, like magic for right. the carnival goer or the like, you know, show attendee is actually mm-hmm. a very calculated, precise, like series of observations, intuitions and conclusions as these folks know how to access on the spot. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think okay. that was, yeah. I mean, their, their scam was that they just knew how to read people really well. Yeah. Which, Which happens is- to this day. That's true. 
the tinder swindler <laughs> that's right that's right we probably modern day watch, watch that i show. haven't watched that either but i assume that's what that's based on <laughs> right trades um, or anything else any other hot takes you want to no the last thing I, w- I would say too is that uh you and i talked about this before but i think what's really interesting about the role of the geek uh mm-hmm. in this movie is that geek as a term like how much it's how mm. much it's been embraced and moved to the mainstream now like now geek nerd dork and this, all those this is where are, it started this is how it started yeah wow yeah and now it's like been now there's a geek squad at, uh, totally. at best buy yeah and now it's a proud label like now people want right, to be i'm a geek or i'm yeah. geeking out on x thing that's right yeah wow yeah what a time what a time to be alive. <laughs> what if Bradley Cooper came back and was like, a geek squad? <laughs> that seems like a bad idea, guys. Yeah. Can you imagine that a time machine uh, for his character just dropped in the present time With a and he sees a geek, geek squad? squad. Car. <laughs> yeah, he's going to freak the fuck out. Yeah. Hide the chickens! <laughs> Hide the chickens. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. All right. Well, that's Nightmare Alley, folks. That was Nightmare Alley. The next movie we're going to be discussing is Licorice Pizza, which is currently only available in theaters. So if you'd like to see the movie before we talk about it, head down to your local theater, bring a mask. (laughs) That's right. Stay masked up. (laughs) Well, this was fun, Allison. This is our first one under our belt. We nailed it. I'm proud of us. So proud. Beaming with pride. Yeah. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone.